The Lord calls us to worship this morning from Psalm 145, beginning in verse 1. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. Amen. you today as the true and the living God, the one who has created the heavens and the earth. You've created us and made us your children. And Lord, we seek today as your people gathered here at Lebanon to worship you. We desire to lift up our hearts to praise you, to lift up these songs of praise, to read your word. And Lord, we do pray that by your spirit, you would be with us, that we would be pleasing in your sight in everything that is done here today, that you would be glorified, Lord Jesus worshiped and adored. And we pray together now, saying out loud the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Please remain standing. We're going to recite together the Apostles' Creed. It's on page 845 in your hymnal. And I'm going to begin by asking you, as this is a confession of our faith, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, and the third day He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty, From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear these words of assurance from the book of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 15. I'm beginning in verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. Amen. Let's continue to worship as we sing hymn number one, All People That On Earth Do Dwell. Hymn number one.
children can come forward at this time for the children's sermon. Good morning, children. tell me what a missionary is. Does anybody know? Katie? It's somebody that like tells the gospel. Somebody that tells the gospel. That's exactly right. And did you know that we have missionaries that we support here at Lebanon? On the, on the back of your bulletin, you can see a list of their names. And in the inside of the bulletin, there's also one listed for the month. And we pray for our missionaries during our service. But we also have the opportunity to pray for them, uh, even at home, sitting around our table or in our bedroom, we can pray for them. Do you know what's uh, different about a missionary than you? Do you think there's something different, Abby? Um, that they preach the gospel? They preach the gospel. But two things special about them, and it's not actually any different than you. They love God and His Word. And they love people. And that's no different than you or me. To love God and to love His people and to love His Word and want to share it with people. And so as you think about our missionaries, they're people just like you. They have day-to-day chores and tasks they have to do. And they have to get those done in order to make the day go. And they also do look to the Lord and trust Him for the work that they do. Just like your parents do. Um, your parents work, they have a job to do, and they, they look to the Lord to provide for them, to keep them safe, and that they would get their work done in time and get paid on time. And that's exactly what the missionaries do. Um, can anybody tell me where missionaries live? All around the world. All around the world. Do some missionaries live here in South Carolina? Yes. Yes? yes. yes. Some of them do. All over the place. And the Bible says that you and I are actually on mission with God. We're His missionaries to a lost world to tell the gospel, to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus with anybody. So you can be that too. Not just people who go around the world who live in another country, but you can be who shares the love of Jesus with other people and says that the Lord Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And if you don't know Him, I'd love to tell you about Him. That's what you can do to anybody as long as your parents say it's fine. Let me pray for you, okay? Father, I do thank you that you sent the Lord Jesus Christ to love us and to shed your love abroad in our hearts. Lord, I thank you for his perfect sacrifice for us, and I thank you for our covenant children who are here before us today. For those who are here and those who are at home, Lord, I pray that you would bless them with a large measure of faith and your spirit that they would look to you and cry out to you. And Lord, we trust as a church family that they will cry out to you one day in faith of their own. And we look to that day with great expectation as we continue to see you building your church. Lord, I do pray that you would raise up, even from among our children, those who will go and serve you, whether serving in a church as a pastor or a missionary or good skilled counselors or doctors, people who care about others, Lord, who love you and want to serve other people by loving them. Lord, I pray that you would encourage these dear ones, that they would trust in you from a young age, and that they would cry out to you in faith. In your name, amen. Thank you. Turn in your hymnal to page number 802 for our responsive reading. This morning we're going to be reading Psalm 45, page 802. I'll begin with the light portion and uh, please respond out loud together with the bold. My heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses for the King. 
you are the most excellent of men, and your lips have been anointed with grace, since God has blessed you forever. In your majesty, ride forth victoriously in behalf of truth, humility, and righteousness. Let your right hand display awesome deeds. Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. All your robes are fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. From palaces adorned with ivory, the music of the strings makes you glad. Listen, O daughter, consider and give ear. Forget your people and your father's house. The daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. Men of wealth will seek your favor. In embroidered garments she is led to the king. Her virgin companions follow her and are brought to you. Your sons will take the place of your fathers. You will make them princes throughout the land. As we continue to worship, let's stand together and sing hymn number 562, All to Jesus I Surrender.
Father, we come to the time in our service where we pray together as God's people. And Lord, I pray that you would quicken our hearts now, even as we pray, uh, that we wouldn't think that this is just a moment to pause in our service of worship of you, but that this truly is a time to commune with you and to fellowship and to, to speak, as your word says, to make our petitions known to you. And Lord, I do pray for your dear people here at Lebanon, that you would be gracious to them and fill them with your spirit, that today as we open your word, that we would all understand it and hear it and believe it by faith. Lord, I do pray that you would minister the gospel to our souls, that we would hear it anew today, that we would believe it, that we would look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and not to ourselves, any works of righteousness that we have done that would commend us to you. And Lord, I pray for your people that this would be a day of encouragement and gladness and rejoicing because we have been together in the house of the Lord to worship you. Lord, I do pray for those among us who are sick or ill, those who are struggling physically and mentally and emotionally. Lord, I pray that you would bind up your people, that you would cause them to be filled with the Spirit to know that you are with them. Lord, I pray that you would help them to fight the enemies of loneliness, and feeling all alone. And I pray that you would comfort those especially who are going through very dark times, that you would encourage their hearts, help them to recall to mind the scriptures that you have placed in their hearts, and the songs that we have sung, may they be an encouragement to them also. Lord, I do pray also for our missionaries, as we think particularly of the dies today, uh, who are listed in our bulletin today. I pray, Lord, that you would Bless them in the work that they are doing, that you would fill them with a lot of joy and satisfaction as they serve you. And Lord, I pray that you would help them to be lights where you have placed them in this world. All of the world is your creation and it is under your control. And we pray that you would use the dice to spread the good news of the gospel. And Lord, I pray that you would give them success and satisfaction and rest in you as they do it, as they serve you. And Lord, I do pray for our other missionaries as well, that you would protect them in places where it is not safe to be, to call yourself a Christian. And Lord, I pray that we would stand with our brothers and sisters in prayer, not only on Sundays, but also the other days of the week, to pray for them as we hope and pray that others pray for us as we endeavor to serve you. And Lord, we do pray now as we come to your word, that you would cause our hearts to be filled with faith that we would read not with eyes as if we're reading the newspaper, but we are reading the words of the living God in your name. Amen. I invite you to open your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. The sermon this morning is entitled, Your Kingdom Come. We're looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Kingdom Life in a Fallen World, Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading in verse 9 and go down through verse 13. This is the word of the Lord. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. This is the unchanging, true Word of God as we read it. It is His Word to His people to guide us and to comfort us, to encourage us to walk in His ways and to be obedient to Him. These are not words that we set down lightly. They are His that He gives to His people. And in His wisdom, Jesus gave this model prayer which we pray each Sunday morning in our service of worship. He gave this in His wisdom to his disciples when they asked him, Lord, would you teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray? Last week we looked at the uh, preface to the Lord's Prayer and to the first request that was made. 
Today we come to the second, your kingdom come. The opening of this prayer teaches us, if you will, about adoring God and worshiping Him and how important it is that we come to Him in His presence, hallowing His name in awe and humility and true reverence for who He is. It's helpful to remember that prayer can just simply be defined as offering up our requests to the Lord, our petitions to the One who hears us. We believe that Jesus hears our prayers and that He delights even to pray for us on our behalf, even when we don't know how to pray. So this morning as we think about prayer, and particularly the petition, Your Kingdom Come, believe and remember, dear people of God, that we are praying to a Heavenly Father who desires to hear our prayers, and who delights to answer them according to His will. For the Christian, the first priority of our prayers should always be to pray that God's will would be done in us and throughout the world. It's important that what He has designed and ordered to do and the will that He has given to His people would be carried out by them. In verse 10, Jesus says to pray, Your kingdom come and Your will be done. That all of God's kingdom would be spread and known abroad and that everything that He has given His people to do as He has ordered in His Word would be done to completion. And this morning we want to focus and will focus on the first part of that phrase, Your kingdom come. Three points this morning. Number one, rejoice. God's kingdom has come. Number two, rest. God's kingdom cannot fail. And number three, remember, the king is coming again. Number one, rejoice. God's kingdom has come. Jesus said when he was speaking with the disciples and with others who seemed to want to challenge his very existence, he said, if I cast out demons, By Beelzebub, who do your sons cast them out by? No kingdom can stand against itself, and no house divided against itself can stand. It's not possible. So I don't cast out demons by Beelzebub or any other demon. I do the work of the living God. And if I'm doing this work among you, then you should know that the kingdom of God is in your midst. That's what Jesus told them. The kingdom is here. The kingdom has come in the person and the work of Jesus. He came preaching and teaching the message of the kingdom. He proclaimed repentance just as John the Baptist did. But he also taught God's people a very special message, an important message, and one that the ancient people of God had anticipated waiting for. That the way to God, the path to God, had been made through him. That he was the embodiment of what it meant to be reconciled to God, that He would come as the sacrificial lamb and sacrifice Himself on the altar of God's wrath, and that He would drink that cup to the very bottom for His people. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. No one gets to heaven except through Me. I am the only way. His words were very exclusive, and we receive them, and His reconciliation that He offers for us and our Heavenly Father by faith. It is the only way. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. You can't give up enough or sacrifice enough. You can't come to church enough to make your way into heaven. It is only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and His finished work. By His sinless life, His death and resurrection, He defeated every enemy that you and I have. Every mortal enemy. Our sin, the threat of death, hell, and the devil, all have been defeated in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, our Savior has come. By the Holy Spirit, He has come to rule and reign in the hearts of His people. The kingdom has come even to you today. Do you believe that, dear believer? That the kingdom of God has come to rule and to reign in your hearts by faith, by His Spirit. The Bible says that you are an overcomer. That you have overcome through your Savior, your own sin. Praise the Lord, it is not the master of you and me. Our sins have been defeated. To pray this prayer, to pray your kingdom come, as Jesus taught His disciples to pray, means that we submit to His rule and to His plan. And I don't want to get into next week's sermon, but I I want us to think briefly just for a moment about what it means to submit our hearts. Because when we say your kingdom come, there are some implications for our own hearts about that. We would pray, Lord, would you make your rule more evident in my life? 
and in the life of my family? Would you let me see and would you let my children see and my spouse and others in my family? Lord, would you let us see how you are ruling and reigning in our hearts? And we know that God's kingdom is boundless. This is not a prayer for God to be the God of the universe. For His kingdom where He rules over everything and sets planets in order. And is in charge of creation and the weather and everything else. This is not a prayer for God to be in charge of those things. Those are matters of fact. He already is. Whether men and women acknowledge that or not. He is the King. What we are praying for is that we would realize His kingliness in our hearts. That He would rule and reign us by His Spirit, by grace. It means that our kingdom of one cannot remain on the throne of our lives. It means that our priorities have to change. If we say we belong to Jesus, our priorities and our affections change. They're different. They're transformed by His grace. What maybe used to matter to us or be the most important thing can't be anymore. I can't be on the throne of my life and you can't be on the throne of yours. He must be. This is not a double-seater. It's a single seat and He sits on the throne. We don't have the option to climb back into that seat. The Bible refers to this in the life of the believer as a death, as a daily death. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul explained it this way. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live. And the life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. He said, I'm dead. I have died to everything about the old way of life, the old me, the old affections, the old sins, the old past. I am dead to those things in Christ. And the life that I have is in Him. And this broken body and this broken world doesn't hold me back. All of the struggles that I have, these are just things I carry as I pass through. I am a pilgrim on my way home. I am crucified with Him. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, which we'll study in a few weeks, Jesus said to the disciples as He taught them about kingdom priorities, He said, Seek the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness and everything that matters about this life, everything that you need, food and clothing and finances, and a place to stay, all of these things will be added to you. This is maybe an area where many Christians struggle and really do suffer under a weight of anxiety because they believe that their Heavenly Father maybe has forgotten about them. Or maybe the promises that we read in the Scriptures are for other people who really do behave a lot better than we do. And as you look at your life and you say, well, all of these things haven't been added to me yet, Jesus. Are you really faithful? Are you really true? Are you really king? Are you really the one who takes care of your people? Because I feel alone, and I feel lost, and I feel more like an orphan than a child of the living God. Lord, would you please show up in my life? And he answers that prayer. And sometimes it's in his timing, and I think that's why many times Christians can be demoralized by this life. This this world is tough and hard. Since the fall, this is not what God intended. Trust in the Lord. Call on His name. Cry out to Him in faith. He loves to answer the prayers of His people. And He doesn't promise necessarily to take the storm away, but He promises that He will be with you in the midst of it and that He is the one carrying you. Number one, rejoice. The kingdom is come. Number two, rest. God's kingdom cannot fail. We sing a hymn, His kingdom cannot fail. He rules o'er earth and heaven. The keys of death and hell are to our Jesus given. His kingdom cannot fail. And we think about what it means for a kingdom to be able to stand up and to be strong and to, to be able to take on the attacks of its enemies, to deal with the needs of thousands and millions of people. How can a kingdom not fail? Look at the history of the world. None of the kingdoms that our children study about are even still standing. How can you say the kingdom of the living God does not fail? How does it not fail? His kingdom is under His care, His protection, His providence, and His careful plan. John Piper said in a recent sermon that I listened to that by 10,000 providences, He is bringing His kingdom rule to bear. 
And not just something that you see out in the world, but in our hearts. And aren't you convicted that way, dear people of God, as you read the Scriptures? As you see His Word, and maybe verses and passages that you have read years ago that you read today, or you read last week, and you are reminded of His goodness and His faithfulness. Lord, would You do this in my heart? I've read it before, but today I read it anew. Would You do this in my heart? His kingdom cannot fail, even in the face of our sin. What a glorious thought for us to think about today. That King Jesus, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, is watching over Lebanon Presbyterian Church to love and to guide and to protect its peace and its purity. We believe that the Lord Jesus is very much on the throne of His church. This is His church. And He has protected it and shielded it and provided for it all these years. And if you've forgotten how many, look at the sign when you leave today after lunch. The Lord has been faithful to Lebanon for years and generations because of His faithfulness and because of His love for His people. For you and I to pray this prayer as we think about God's kingdom not failing, we pray for His saving work and for His spiritual reign to continue in us and in our children and in our children's children and throughout all of the world. Lord, would You please be the, the Lord and on the throne of the lives of my heart and my spouse and my children and for those that I come into contact with, those that You pray for daily and weekly, that they would hear and believe the Gospel. People that You have prayed for for years maybe. You pray, Lord, keep me and my family secure in Your kingdom and advance it so that others would be brought in. That's why I thought it would be a good idea this morning to talk to our covenant children about missionaries. What is it that they do? And are they particularly different people than you and me? No, they're not that much different than you and me. They love the Lord and they love His people. And they want to see lost sinners brought into the kingdom. And we are walking in the footsteps of our Lord Jesus as we lovingly share the Gospel with others who desperately need to hear it. When we pray this prayer, Your kingdom come, we're also including that God would call men and women to serve Him. Maybe as missionaries or preachers or good Christian counselors. We're praying, Lord, would You please support the work of Your church? And He delights to answer that. And He absolutely does. He is faithful to His church. And I do pray, and, and we pray on Thursday mornings, and I pray in our session meetings, as we did this past Monday, that the Lord Jesus would raise up from among us, even among our own children, some who would go to serve Him, whether as missionaries or a pastor. That He would support His church through the work of this church. That they would go and serve Him and love those that He is bringing into the kingdom and share the good news of the Gospel. And I am very thankful to know that the Lord Jesus in His time will answer that prayer. He will be faithful to His church. Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15 say, How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? This is a humbling sense of humility as we think about God answering His, in His timing the prayers that we raise up to Him. He answers them in His timing. They're not always in ours. And yet, we can pray with confidence. Psalm 138, verse 8. We read this on Thursday morning together in prayer meeting. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. He will bring you into His kingdom and He will keep you there secure as His child. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I am confident of this, that He who began a good work in you will complete it in the day of Jesus Christ. Will He keep you in the kingdom? Will you persevere ultimately? By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, yes, because of His work, because of His doing. The kingdom of the living God is not limited. It's not limited by opposition or the location of it, by earthly kings, corrupt or good political governments. None of these things bolster or establish the kingdom of God. Only He does. And that means that He can make it grow wherever He would like. He can make it grow in circumstances that seem bleak, he can make them grow in lean times or in good times. 
The kingdom of God does not fail. The small kingdoms of the world are under His authority. It's good for us to remember that and to to keep it in mind as we read the news. Otherwise, our hearts would be pricked and thinking everything is coming off the rails. But listen to what Daniel said in chapter 2 of his book, verse 21. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and he raises them up. Proverbs 21, verse 1, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. In Psalm 86, verses 9 and 10, All nations who you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. Corrie ten Boom said, this is a quote from her in a documentary called A Faith, Undefeated. Corrie Ten Boom and her um, her sister and her dad helped to harbor Jews who were being persecuted by the Germans, killed by the Germans in untold number in World War II. She said, "If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you will be at rest." And that is the charge of this the church. We're to rest. In Jesus, rest in hope in Him. His kingdom cannot fail. Jesus' presence with His church ensures that it will not be defeated. It doesn't mean that you and I won't go through very difficult times and that there might not be days of oppression coming for His saints. But it absolutely means that if He is with us, His kingdom and His church will not fail. I want to read a verse to you from a very familiar hymn. But I think it will be encouraging to you as we think about God's kingdom not failing, not coming to an end. I actually, I'll just quote it in the interest of time. It's from the church's one foundation. The church shall never perish, her dear Lord to defend, to guide, sustain, and keep her. I love that hymn. The church's one foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not you or me or any anything else, any other human. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. His kingdom cannot fail because it is His. And His church will not either because He does not leave her. Lastly, remember, the King is coming again. We recited this morning, as we do every Sunday morning in the Apostles' Creed, that Jesus, sitting at the right hand of God the Father, is in His presence right now. And that from there, from the throne room of heaven, he will come and judge the quick and the dead. The Bible says that the king is coming again. He absolutely is coming again. He promised to come and take home his children. In Acts chapter 1 verse 11, when Jesus had ascended into heaven, an angel said to two men that this Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw Him go into heaven. Matthew chapter 24, verse 30. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Jesus' second coming is the great anticipation of the church and the crushing blow to the pride and sinfulness of man that suppressed the truth of His existence in unrighteousness. For the church, Jesus coming again, His second coming will mean that He will take us home to be in heaven with Him forever. And we will be apart from sin and enemies and the threat of death and struggle. All of those things will be in the past. Absolutely all of them. For the disobedient, for the sinful, who do not acknowledge God and do not trust in Him by faith, they will be judged. And the Bible says they will be cast into everlasting hell. Not just for a moment, but for all eternity. Those are the words of the Bible. In Psalm 94, verses 2 and 3, Rise up, O judge of the earth, render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked triumph? The Bible says they will not triumph forever, because one day the judge of all the earth, who will do right, will come again, and he will judge sin. And he will judge those who are found in their sin apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And they will suffer his wrath for all eternity in hell. And that is a true and a real thing and a fearful thing. It's not something that preachers say to scare people. It's to tell you the truth. 
Because it's in the Bible. To pray this prayer that the King is coming again means that we wait expectantly. He's coming, dear church. Wake up. He's coming. Live before Him in righteousness and holiness. Cry out to Him in faith. Give Him your heart as you pray. Lord, help me to believe that this is true. Help me to believe that You are coming, that You haven't abandoned Your people. He is coming. Submit to His timing as you wait. His timing is perfect. And pray for His grace to not be what the Bible calls a scoffer. I want to share a word briefly about what it is. Why did you say scoffer, preacher? In 2 Peter chapter 3. If you still have your Bible, turn there with me briefly. 2 Peter chapter 3. There are some very strong words for people who the Bible calls scoffers. 2 Peter chapter 3. Starting in verse 1. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And then verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt, With fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. What's warned here, the warning that's given to the people of God, is don't give in to the cynicism of the day that says the promise of the Lord has failed. He's not coming back. He forgot. Or either He lied. And we know those things can't be true. God does not forget and He doesn't tell the truth. Only some of the time. He tells the truth all of the time. He doesn't lie. He is faithful to His Word, to His character, and to who He is. You and I need God's grace to wait this way. To wait and not be scoffers. The disappointments of this life, the injustices that we watch and that some of us endure personally, and even our own sin, are reason enough for us to turn inward and say, I'll just deal with life on my own. I'm not going to deal with it with God. I just don't see Him coming. The Bible encourages us, don't be scoffers. He is coming and it will be like a thief in the night. And there will be no holding it back. And there won't be any second chances. Today is the day of salvation. Cry out to Him in faith. Call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And He will bring those to heaven who belong to Him. I said that this last point was, remember, the King is coming again. And I want to end by asking, is He coming for you? Let's stand together and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You and we praise You for Your wisdom in giving us Your Word. Lord, we thank You for giving us an inheritance of a kingdom that cannot fail because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray for Your people here gathered this morning and those in the educational building, Lord, that we would be firm in our faith and belief and hope in You that because of the Lord Jesus Christ and His Word and promise that the kingdom of God does not fail and that You, Lord Jesus, are coming again. And we look to that day, Lord, with great anticipation 
and our bodies ache and groan for it. And Lord, I pray if there be any in our midst today who do not know you, who have not cried out to you in faith, Lord, that you would do that work in their hearts by your Spirit, and that you would use us to be sensitive to that, Lord, and to encourage one another. Lord, I pray that no one would leave here today not knowing for sure of their faith in you. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your good work in our lives. Amen. Let's continue to worship the Lord Jesus by singing hymn number 585, Take My Life and Let It Be. and our offerings in an act of obedience and trust in you. And Lord, as we give today, we proclaim to you and to our own hearts 
that we believe and trust that you are faithful, that you will provide for our families. And Lord, I do pray that you would use our tithes and our offerings for the sake of the glory of your name and the spread of your kingdom. And Lord, we do pray that you would do this even in our own day, Lord, that we would see your kingdom come and that you would take us home to be in heaven with you. Lord, do it in your timing. Amen. benediction, I'll pray for our meal. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to celebrate this fifth Sunday together as your people. Lord, I pray that you would bless the hands that have prepared the meal and the uh, location next door to be able to eat together and to fellowship. Lord, I pray that we would enjoy this time together and that you would bless this food to the nourishment of our bodies. In your name, amen.